Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here's a quick announcement. Our November heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones. It's currently available at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. This month's theme is A Season of Gratitude. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself for some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guests for this morning are Susan Heim and Karen Talka. Susan is an author, editor, and library marketer specializing in parenting, multiples, and Christian and women's issues. She is the longtime editor and co-author for the best-selling Chicken Soup for the Souls series. Karen is the co-author of four Chicken Soup for the Souls devotional books focusing on women, mothers, tough times, and wives. Susan and Karen teamed up to co-author Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional stories for women, 101 devotions with scriptures, real-life stories, and custom prayers. Susan, Karen, and I will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their personal experiences regarding this wonderful collaboration in their stories. Good morning, Susan and Karen. Happy Tuesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you ladies doing today? Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, and thank you for having us. Wonderful, wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you ladies with me this morning. Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional stories for women is extremely inspirational and definitely nourishes the heart and soul. So congratulations on its re-release as a beautiful hot cover edition. So I'm really excited for you ladies. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited too. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, wonderful. Well, let us start by getting to know you ladies a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And by the way, we do have the whole hour. So Susan, do the honor. You get started and Karen can jump in right after you. <laughs> <laughs> My whole life. Let's see. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, have an hour or longer? <laughs> we can stretch it. We can really stretch okay. it. <laughs> well, let's see. The condensed version is um, I was born in Michigan. And I always felt like I was a little bit misplaced in Michigan because I hate cold weather. (laughs) I never seem to be able to warm up. So um, I stayed in Michigan until I graduated from Michigan State um, with a business degree. And at that point, uh, fortunately, I got an opportunity to move to South Florida. And so I I grabbed, grabbed the chance while I could. I moved to South Florida. And I've been living here ever since. Um, In the years uh, since I've been here, I've had four boys, uh, four sons, uh, ranging um, from, I have two in high school, twins in high school, and I have two boys who are uh, grown. And I've also been working various jobs, um, but most recently, as you mentioned in the beginning, I work at a public library 
and I do marketing for them. Um, I've picked up some graphic design skills, so I do um, banners and, um, you know, design their newsletters. Um, I write press releases and uh, just spread the word about all of our library programs and everything that's going on at the library. Um, I've also been an editor for Chicken Soup for the Soul for uh, over 20 years now, um, which I just love. I do that on a freelance basis now. And um, also, I write an article for your Inspirations for Better Living magazine, Johnny, as a um, as uh, and I write an article on tw raising twins and multiples, which is really great too. So I think that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> it is fantastic to have you as an expert. I mean, that's a section that I think people don't talk about, but having multiples is a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait till you hear because uh, both Karen and I have multiples. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> because that's right. Karen will tell you. <laughs> right. That's the other here. thing you ladies uh, share in common, having multiples. It right? is. So. <laughs> that was one of our first kind of bonding experiences when we became friends. Was that we were both Karen's twins are only a year older than my twins, and so wow. we had a lot of, to talk about just from that standpoint <laughs> about raising twins and what that's like. So, and that was talk about, laugh about, and cry about. And Wonderful. we're still doing that, yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, my oh. goodness. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> but that's wonderful. Though. It's an unusual experience. I think a lot of times, I don't know, I, I think, you know, I, I was adopted at birth, but I never felt at any given time any different in terms of receiving that unconditional motherly love from my parents. Mm -hmm. And so oh, until great. much later that I realized, I found out that I was uh, I was uh, adopted. But I imagine having, and then the fact that my sister and I were six years apart and we all this, you know, like sibling thing, right? <laughs> she was adopted mm -hmm, from right. family. And so, but imagining that you ladies have two, uh, I mean, twins and like, oh my gosh, I'm sure that's a handful, more than a handful. <laughs> <laughs> it can be challenging yeah. at times, that's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, Karen, Please tell us about yourself. Um, well, I grew up in Oregon and uh, went to Oregon State, uh, and I became an elementary ed teacher. And just my passion was working with children and continues to be working with children. And that was really where the love of writing and, um, most importantly, reading to children came about. Um, I lived in Oregon, and then my husband got a job uh, down here in Florida as well. So we moved, and it was a culture shock to uh, come from Oregon to South Florida. And uh, it took a couple of years to settle in, but then, you know, our children come along. I have an older daughter who is two years uh, older than my twins, and so then I had a house full of three children. And then before you know, you put down roots and um, a place becomes a home. And so that, you know, I've, I've spent my time, I, I taught for a number of years, and then I just decided to stay at home with the kids and just a blessing to my life. Uh, I just wouldn't do it any other way. Uh, so um, happy to have raised them. And now one is um, 
in Georgia and at the University of Georgia, and then the other two of, uh, are attending college as freshmen this year. Um, one moved away and the other one stayed at home, so she's commuting. So i not quite the empty nester, but um, <laughs> that change is uh, going to occur pretty soon. So I'm, I was able to soften the blow this year. Very, very interesting. You didn't try to kind of give a hint, right? You said, honey, don't you think it's easier for you to live right, right by campus? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to leave off too soon. So, yes, uh, but it sure was joyful when all everybody it was a full house for Thanksgiving and uh, filling up the dinner table again and having the liveliness and conversation. So um, now we're quiet again, though, because they, they went back to finish their semester. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, you ladies grew up, uh, well, in Michigan and Oregon, right? So I don't know how the, mm -hmm. it works at, at the time, but did you all feel like the time, but when you all were growing up, obviously you have Sunday dinners and uh, mm -hmm. much less to say, you know, uh, meals during the, you know, the, the regular days as well. But as people grow and moved out, like I guess in this case, so how does that relate to how you're feeling right now in terms of, you know, the significance of Thanksgiving? Because it does allow us to at least take a time out once a year to, like, really, really focus on family. That's true. That is true. It's, and I've always tried to, even when my kids were growing up, you know, we always tried to make a point. You know, kids are so busy these days, and they're always, mm -hmm. you know, they have sports and they have after school activities and they now they have jobs you know but whenever we do have everybody at home we always try and do to, to sit around the table together and have a meal at the dinner table and talk about our days you know I'm still interested and now my kids call me nosy that I because I'm always <laughs> asking them questions <laughs> once they're teenagers they don't uh, don't quite appreciate your interest in them as much but mm -hmm. you know I'm not going to give up I keep asking those questions and and trying to well, learn more about Susan, them as people Susan that's you have yeah. boys and and boys are you know they're they're meant for uh keeping those secrets and their thoughts close you know to their i think <laughs> you're right yeah whereas <laughs> the girls i have two girls that go da, 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 you know and right. they everything so <laughs> they overshare maybe right <laughs> they, yeah exactly but that's good though. I think that conversation is uh, it's it's important. One of the things that helped me when I came to the United States when I was eight four, four months after my 18th birthday was that besides the cultural shock in a way, right? But I was excited and I literally went halfway around the world. And but mm -hmm. what was interesting was I missed those kitchen conversations, whether it's kitchen table or talking to my mom while she's cooking. And yeah. because that's that sort of really connection, uh, the real connection from the heart, I guess, you know, and I always tell people, this is why kitchen? They said, well, guys, remember when you get called into the living room, you're in trouble. You don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so those are the kind of things that, that was just sort of like naturally, and and I was fortunate enough to to be uh, involved with my host family in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and later met my uh, town foster family up in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And so during the holiday season, it was just wonderful 
time that we were able to connect and I enjoyed being in the kitchen, not as a chef, but just conversations. And yeah, I felt that, yeah, there's... Go ahead, I'm sorry. There's yeah. something about food, food and conversation, you know, as you prepare <laughs> the food and, you you know, it just brings people together and gives them a common goal and, you know, frees mm-hmm. up the, the conversation that way. Fantastic. But life is also passed on through food and you think mm-hmm. of, you know, again, my daughter helping me make stuffing and, and mm-hmm. the just the conversation as we're cutting up the onion and the celery right. and we're, you know, and making stuffing. And this year, my son, um, he carved the turkey. And it was, I mean, it was so <laughs> great to see my 18-year-old interested. He's grabbing out the knives and we're talking about how to cut it and what you cut off first. And it was, I mean, it was it was wonderful. I mean, it, I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, the kids are interested. And, and they're now those young adults where you do have different conversations than when they're mm-hmm. younger. And mm-hmm. um, and it's still just important to keep in contact with them. Right, right. What's interesting that I've gathered for myself, this is a personal journey in a sense, but I mean, now you ladies are moms and you can walk through this with me in the sense that it was very interesting because like moms, there was a period of time where it's strictly as a teacher, you're teaching, right? And then there comes to a point where you have to shift to being a coach and Talking mm-hmm. about cutting the turkey just reminded me of that because I want to try that, right? And I got to do it on my own. <laughs> and you're coaching mm-hmm. me through that. That's true. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, let's talk about this, ladies. I mean, when did you two went through the spiritual process and when did spirituality took root for both of you as a woman and as a mom? So, Susan, would you like to start off first? Sure. Um, I think, you know, I've always had spirituality and religion in my life. I mean, my parents always took us to church when we were younger. And, you know, we I went to Catholic school all the way through high school. And, you know, so it was, I was always exposed to it. But at the same time, it was kind of a bit of an obligation you know it was that's what my parents did so I went to church and that's what you're supposed to do and that kind of thing so it was um you know it was interesting that way and I always had uh, some sort of a relationship with God and then when I went away to college of course you know that's often a time when a lot of people kind of drift away from those kinds of things and I was completely guilty of that you know went and had my fun and um, did well in college, but uh, you know, was was into the the social aspect of being in college, and not so much into the the spiritual aspect of it. And I still think it really grabbed hold again until I started having my own children. And I think that's kind of a pivotal point for a lot of women. You start to think about the way that you were raised and. Uh, the values that you grew up with and the way, you know, why you are the way you are and the way you think. And you want to expose your children to those same things and and to grow them up the right way, you know, with values and with um, with a relationship with God. And so that was really, I think, kind of a pivotal time when I started having my kids, when I started thinking, you know what, you know, there's something I'm missing out on here. I really need to get back to um, not only just attending church, but also just, you know, starting to read about God, starting to read uh, read my Bible, starting to um, 
engage with other people who were interested in those topics and just more immersing myself in um, in that sort of environment, you know, that I hadn't been in for a very long time. So, um, you know, that's, that's really, I think as you get older, you just start to realize mm-hmm. that um, to be happy and to be fulfilled, you know, you can't just rely on, on yourself. And there's got, there's something else out there. I think that you start grabbing for that you want to have, you know, a deeper relationship with, with God and, and with the people around you. How and did that, that, that's my story. How, that's a very, very interesting where you like to say, as you got older and a sense of responsibility as a mother, you started to develop that, association it came to the forefront so to speak you know all has been there right so how right. did that sort of sprinkle and help you from a career standpoint of view as well because you sort of transitioned and became an author after all the years how does that sort of unfold itself to whereby it became a very smooth journey so to speak yeah i mean like I did a lot of reading, you know, when you're sort of seeking and wanting to know more about things. Um, I did a lot of reading on my own. I read a, a lot of uh, spiritual writers and and books and things. I started listening to different um, pastors and services, going to different churches and services, listening to other people. And it just made me want to, when I learned about other people's journeys and what they had been through and how having a relationship with God had really helped them. It made me interested in collecting these stories and in understanding other people's paths. You know, it's it's just so fascinating to see how people go through certain situations and they usually have two ways of going. It can either cause them to pull away from God and, you know, almost get mad at God. Yeah life or a lot of times it has the opposite effect and it's closer to God and it Mm -hmm. makes them more aware of those kinds of things and that's always just been fascinating to me and I started sort of informally collecting those stories and reading those stories um, just to find out how people get through those tough times or how how they affect their lives and how that how they how they can be that person that actually draws closer to God rather than um, yeah. gets angry and gets mad. So I just find that very interesting. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Well, Karen, how about you? When did spirituality take root for you as a woman and as a mom? And how does that sort of help you also to transition uh, from teaching and starting writing books and especially children's books and so forth? Well, as, as Susan um, has said, I was also grew up in the church. Um, I grew up in the Methodist church and, mm-hmm. and still attend there as well. But I have to be honest with you, it was when I started Bible study with other mm-hmm. women, and it was sitting around a table with maybe seven or eight women, and it was that time that we took off your mask. You know, there's so mm-hmm. often in our lives we're busy, busy, and we, and, you know, and these days, you know, there's this ideal of perfectionism that we try to achieve maybe through social media. But we sat around that table with a Bible study, with our Bibles, and we opened up our hearts with each other and, and 
when you're that open and you're with God in his word and praying together and praying aloud and and praying for your children and your family and for things going on in the world, that completely changed me. Mm-hmm. And it just became the backbone of my spirituality. And and that was, I find that when I'm in a Bible study, because there might be a workbook or something that goes along with it, I open up my Bible. And it's easy, you know, many people are gifted with the ability, they wake up first thing in the morning with their cup of coffee and they start their day in the Word. And I found that when I get up, first thing I do is I start in with the kids and the busyness of the day. And so by grounding myself in a Bible study, that was when I was able, and and that's when my spirituality then took off. And I just recently was in another Bible study with other church members, and they were much older this time. And Mm -hmm. I was in awe of Again, you think, wow, you know, I, I'm a pretty good Christian. And then I listened to some of these elderly members talk, and I was like, wow, I have a lot, a long way to go. So, it, you know, there's a nice balance between people that, you know, are, you know, you can be in all sorts of different Bible studies, and you get something out of it and unique each time. Um, so where and I was teaching, and I'll transition to that question, when I was teaching, my favorite part of the day, believe it or not, was reading to my kids, and it might be a chapter book. And during that time, I, you know, would give action to the story, and if it was a sad ending, I would, we would all be crying as we finished, and, you know, the, the famous book, Where the Red Fern Grows, and, and, and we're all crying as this book is ending. And so I knew that I loved books. And then my children came along, and I knew that I loved reading books to them and those nightly stories and cuddling in bed and sending them off with literature and just, you know, those thoughts in their head before bedtime. And so that got me thinking about writing. And I dabbled in the children's book writing world, and I wrote some manuscripts and sent some things off. But... To be honest with you, it was Susan and I connecting over coffee one morning, and she's the one that brought it up. She said, I feel like God is calling us to write a devotional. And there, there really was that, that lightning bolt moment that hit us both, and that's when this journey of this book began. Well, that's fantastic. That's beautiful. We all go through the journeys, and some of us are more aware, and obviously you ladies are able to tap into that sense of awareness, and most importantly, the application of the knowledge that you ladies have come to know, and I think that's the beautiful part of it uh, about this whole conversation that we have had so far up to this point, and obviously this beautiful book. So, Susan, I mean... Karen did say about how the uh, devotional stories that come about, can you tell us the various chapters covered? Because it's beautifully organized and it's very, you know, it's to the point. It, it really connects with the heart and soul. Sure, absolutely. And I do want to mention, too, that when we first um, started this book, it didn't actually start out as a chicken soup for the soul book. Um, mm-hmm. As Karen mentioned, we just kind of started um, 
putting down our own thoughts and our own words and writing these devotions. And at first we thought that we would write um, a year's worth of devotions. So that would be, you know, each of us 180 stories apiece. And (laughs) yeah, there's humor in that. (laughs) Yeah, we were very ambitious, you know. I mean, our our lives have been interesting, but maybe not that interesting because that, you know, we found after we got to maybe 10, 15 devotionals apiece, we were were starting to get a little bit, you know, uh, we were starting to uh, strain a little bit and trying to find Mm -hmm. something else to write about. And so, you know, in in talking over um, the content of what we wanted to write, we also felt like there were a lot of issues that we hadn't personally experienced. For instance, you know, maybe somebody was, is uh, dealing with a deep loss or maybe they've gone to had cancer. Maybe their child has, you know, been involved with drugs. Maybe, you know, there's so many situations where people need help and guidance and, we didn't feel that we necessarily had that knowledge, you know. Of course, mm-hmm. we could look up books and that kind of thing, but we didn't have our own personal story, and we really wanted this book to be about people's personal journey, um, not just advice, you know, that somebody could mm-hmm. read, but um, really stories that people could relate to from other people. And first of all, we decided to downscale the book. We did go to a bookstore, a local Christian bookstore, bookstore and we talked to a manager there and this person told us that uh, women don't really want to read the same book all year Um, Mm -hmm. he said that uh, you know a lot of times they like to read a book for maybe three months and then they'll switch over maybe to another book that you know maybe approaches things in a different way so Mm -hmm. we said okay that's great you know we'll do maybe more like a, a, a hundred stories you know a third of a year or whatever which seemed a little bit more manageable. Um, but then we had the problem with, you know, how do we cover these different topics? So what we did was we started, well, we went to, we started locally. We went to our own church, of course, and talked to women that we knew, to our friends and family. We started calling around to different uh, women's groups um, that we knew were meeting, like Karen had joined, um, to see, you know, if they had any personal stories. And I am on social media, so I did promote, I had a blog at the Mm -hmm. time, I put a message on there saying, you know, we're looking for stories, we're looking for devotional stories. I put that on social media, and all of a sudden things just started taking on a life of their own. You know, stories started coming in, not only from our friends and, and locally, but from all over the country. And it was really great, you know, we, we just, it felt meant to be when we saw the response and, and all of the stories that started coming in and the way that people just opened their hearts and shared their personal experiences. It just, it just felt like we were on the right track that, you know, yes, God really did call us to write this book because it was just, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it came together, you know, just the way um, that we had dreamed it, it of doing. So then of course we had to, figure out how to get this thing published, you know, it's, it's it's tough to break into the publishing world. And fortunately I had been editing, uh, freelance editing for chicken soup for the soul for many years. And even though chicken soup had never done a devotional book before, 
um, there really was a strong correlation between what we were collecting, you know, these devotional mm-hmm. stories, and what Chicken Soup specializes in, which is inspirational stories. So, um, you know, really the only difference here was our, our stories are a little shorter, and they also have an accompanying prayer that goes along with it, um, a personalized prayer, and also a scripture verse that uh, illustrates the story. So fortunately, we talked to Chicken Soup, and they did a little research on their own. They talked to their buyers and their distributors to see, you know, is there any interest out there in a, in a devotional book? And um, we got the green light. They said yes right away, and they decided to go ahead and publish the book. So that was really exciting, you know, that we were part of the, mm-hmm. you know, really part of the Chicken Soup family at that point. And you also asked how we came up with the topics. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I really think those came about organically just in reading the stories. You know, even though we did yeah. talk about what kind of topics that we want to talk about, you know, we said we want to deal with loss and grief and parenting and that kind of thing. But usually it's a process uh, developing chapter titles and topics once you see what you have. And when we had all the stories together, it really started to become apparent that we had certain themes here that women were really concerned about or that they were really dealing with, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, self-esteem, not only parenting and relationships, but also self-esteem, how you feel about yourself and whether you love yourself, um, you know, illness, and also a desire for service within the community. Mm -hmm. You know, what what can I do to be a better person to serve others um, in addition to my family? So those were just topics that came together as we started reading the stories And, of course, we took great care in trying to balance the book. You know, we didn't want Mm -hmm. the book to be all full of super heavy topics, but at the same time, we didn't want it to be light and fluffy. We wanted it to reflect real life, which is really full of, you know, both joyous times and difficult times. So we took, you know, great care in really organizing the stories into different chapters, you know, balancing the chapters and the stories within each chapter to kind of find that balance of, you know, maybe you read a heavy story and then, you know, <laughs> next time you maybe you want to read something a little bit lighter or something, you know, just to just to cheer you up or give you some motivation. So uh, so that was how that whole process came about. Right, right. That's a, it's a beautiful book, and especially these, uh, it, the, the, the timing of this release of this new version, uh, the hardcover is just beautiful. It's it. It's very well, it's, uh, you know, I, I look at books as how much it weighs <laughs> and how much uh, time I need to take to, to read it. And that's one thing, the beauty of it, like you lady was just talking about, you know, it's straight to the point, but it's, it really is heartwarming and it's a beautiful piece. So that's, that's beautiful. Karen, please oh, share with you. us the wonderful forward for the book by uh, Jennifer Sense. Sure. And I just want to quickly tag on something mm-hmm. Susan said, sure. just so others know. These stories are very authentic. They mm-hmm. are everyday women. They, these writers weren't published. They weren't polished in the sense that they were just Christian women who, re, you know, answered our call. And, and so that's what makes this book 
so wonderful. It's just very authentic. It, mm-hmm. it is um, their their thoughts, and, and it's a wonderful book um, to keep on your coffee table or even, you know, some people keep it next to their bed. But it's, you just open it up, and I just know so often that that's the way God works. You just flip it open, and it could be the Bible verse that day, or it could be that devotion, or it could be that prayer, but there's something that's going to speak to you. Um, and so that's the, you know, the nice thing about this book. It's just, it's very approachable. It's, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not for, it's for every Christian from wherever you are in your faith walk. And I'm glad All you right, brought so, that up because, uh, mm-hmm. if I may interject real quick before you go into what the, the forward is. And if I, I want mm-hmm. to say this, though, you don't have to be a Christian to read this book. That's got nothing. I mean, it to me, it's one of those things where it's very soothing and comforting, and it gives you sense of direction and knowing that other people have gone through certain things in life that you can associate yourself with. True. I mean, these stories are just very inspirational, as as Karen said, very everyday life. So yeah. you may not be a Christian, or you may be seeking and not really sure precisely what's out there or what or what you believe, and that's okay too. You know, I I think these stories will still um, resonate with you regardless of where you're out, where you're at on that path. You know, in your spiritual yeah. journey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Karen, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Are, yeah. uh, yes, no problem. So um, Jennifer Sands is a Christian uh, author and motivational speaker as well. And uh, she was connected to our book through a representative uh, at Chicken Soup at the time. And she has a very inspirational um, and some tragic life as well. Um, her husband was um, a victim of 9-11, and he was on the 103rd floor of Tower One and went, when it went down and completely devastated her and uh, rocked her life and her world. And at the time, she said she was not a believer in Christ, um, she had very limited knowledge of God and, and didn't own a Bible, but she found it was her friends and family and those other people that took the time to help her through the tragedy and, you know, pray with her that helped her see something that she was missing in her life. And so she moved forward in her faith, and then she had another tragedy when she had breast cancer um, and had to go through two surgeries for that and then 35 radiation treatments. And so after she was reeling from one devastating tragedy, then she had to go through another very personal and intimate um, illness. And so that was the time that she really reached out to God and found her faith. And I'm just going to read some of her words in her foreword. Mm -hmm. Uh, She said, I discovered that God can bring triumph from tragedy. He can bring beauty from ashes, and he can bring blessings from brokenness. I marvel at how God took the worst thing that happened to me, and he used it to bring forth the best thing that could ever happen to me. Sometimes when we face our greatest loss, God will bring forth our greatest gain. And wow. she went, I know, and, and uh, you know, those are, 
those are inspirational words because to to come back from um, that devastating tragedy and then put your faith in God and know that you can you know continue to make it in this life and you can can move forward. Um, and again, I just uh, what I thing I wanted to say was a foreword is a gift from another author to authors with their manuscript. And she definitely gave us this gift. Uh, She read the devotions, and then she generously wrote this beautiful beginning to our book. And she also gave us two bonus devotionals, too, at the end of the book, which is great, too. It's beautiful, Mm -hmm. ladies. I mean, one of the things that we talked about just now, just before reading that forward, is the fact that regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, it has got nothing to do with like, oh my gosh, I got to be a devout Christian of this and so forth. It's not mm-hmm. that. It's about we live our life. We inevitably going to run into challenges. And mm-hmm. it's just times where we do need some comforting energy. And to me, I've always thought mm-hmm. about faith as a wonderful energy that comforts and faith is looking at history, and you ladies started out chapter one with faith, and that leads to a cool breeze and a change of heart by Karen. So please tell us about your story. <laughs> well, this um, I I I love it when the weather changes, and there mm-hmm. is um, just that excitement when. You know, if you're in northern part of the U.S., you it comes spring and you open up the windows and the cool air just flows into the house. It, it gets rid of the stale winter and you just feel all that excitement and the energy just shift in your house. Well, I want to preface that. So we live in South Florida, so our seasons are completely reversed. And come May... It turns 90 and humid, and we button up our houses for the entire summer. You're running your air conditioning. You're inside. You you feel sloggy because it's so hot outside. And then November comes, and the weatherman tells you there's a cool front coming down the state, and, and you just like you're just waiting for it. And that is when this story took place because it was the first of November. And if you want to say that is our spring in Florida, and we opened up the the windows and the doors, and everybody just almost danced around the house that day. <laughs> you got the kids, you know, wearing their clothing, and and that now is too short. And I think all you know parents will agree. You know, you have those long pants, and you put them <laughs> away, and then when you pull them out for the first time, you're like, wow, you guys grew two inches over the summer, and nothing fits, and the the animals are frisky and playing around our your feet and going in and outside. And so, this story was just about that first blast of cool air that came through. And if I, I'm going to read a section, um, just begin because I'm just in, always in awe of God's creation. And this was that morning. With the kids off to school, I headed out for my morning walk with the dogs. The cool weather made me walk faster, and I felt so invigorated. I listened to the birds calling in the trees. 
watched the busy squirrels, and admired the beautiful flowers. These had all been the same sights the day before, but today my eyes were fresh, my heart filled with gratitude for the beloved garden that God created. I think it is important to savor these moments when you really feel alive. What makes you wake up and start the day in anticipation? It could be as simple as a day of cool weather. Regardless, it is God's way of catching our attention and honoring this truly magnificent world he created. Beautiful. Totally beautiful. So, it's, so that, again, it's just, it's, it's a change of heart from one day to the next. And it's just for me that day, it was just that cool air that uh, surrounded us. Mm, beautiful. Well, chapter two speaks about motherhood. And Susan, mm-hmm. you have a beautiful story, the best Christmas gift. So please share that with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this particular story is about the birth of my firstborn son, who was born on December 12th. Um, I actually have three December babies. Uh, three of my children were born in December, so this this time of year gets a little bit crazy with trying to find uh, the perfect gift and and do all these celebrations. But this particular time was, was just with my firstborn, and he was due the end of thanks or the end of November. So we thought he was going to be a Thanksgiving baby. Well, time went on, and he didn't come, and he didn't come, and here we were mid-December, and he was extremely overdue, and so uh, the doctor finally uh, called me at work. I was still at work, believe it or not, and the doctor finally called me and said, you know, hey, you know, there's no way this is this is going to be a Christmas baby. You know, you can't go four weeks late, so, so I ended up being induced, and he was born, but um, this is really just about how special that Christmas was. Uh, this was my first child. This was my parents' first grandchild. And for once, we had this brand-new baby in the house, and he was just so precious. Um, he was huge. He was 10 pounds when he was born. But, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to being overdue, he was enormous. <laughs> but, you know, that – that's what we remember from that Christmas. It's one of those mm-hmm. things where, you know, I, I have no idea what gifts we had that year, what we had for dinner, how we decorated our house. You know, all those things just kind of fell away. And it was just all about the baby and mm-hmm. being together and, and cherishing this time as a family with, with new life and, you know, a new grandchild. And um, it was just, you know, it really hits home on, on mm-hmm. quote, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but, but really the true meaning of Christmas, you know, it's not about the Black Friday sales and, <laughs> you know, the new, the new electronics that you get and finding the perfect gift for, for somebody, you know, it's, it's really just mm-hmm. about being together and being reminded about the reason for the season. It all started with baby, you know, right. and it was a perfect, perfect reminder for us that year, that year that um, you know that that we were having the perfect Christmas. It really was. That's beautiful. That's really wonderful. We're going to skip some chapters because all the chapters are really fantastic. But there's some of the stories that I felt like need to be told, and I'm 
what can I say? I'm a food guy, right? So I know this story, <laughs> it's a little bit different, but in chapter four, the title is illness, but it is food from the heart. And Karen, you wrote this story. What's the energy behind that? This story came about, and I know many of your readers have probably uh, given this gift, but when someone is ill or Mm -hmm. there might have been a death or um, a family is in crisis, a gift of food and bringing them dinner can be the lifeline for them. And this uh, came about when uh, a woman at my uh, children's school, she was going through ovarian cancer and two boys and a husband that worked and she was ill and, and laid up in bed. And so a, a call came out saying, could we, you know, could we support this family with dinners? And I, like I said, I know many of your listeners have probably either given the gift of food or mm. have been the recipient. And there is nothing more comforting than having that meal delivered with someone that's just willing to be there for you. And it, it you know, I, I, I am not a great cook. I do not say that I am a great <laughs> cook. But that night, you know, I made beef stew. And it was just potatoes and meat and carrots, right? And I brought mm-hmm. over some Hawaiian rolls and a salad. And it was simple. It was, it was, mm-hmm. but made with love. And mm-hmm. the father caught me in the hallways, you know, a, a couple of days later. And he said, you know, thank you so much. He said, it was what my boys needed. He said, you know, a lot of times people try to bring over fancy food. He said, but we just needed something that my young boys would eat. And it was warm and it was hearty and filling. And so, Food from the heart really is that gift, and it's the devotional that speaks to bringing meals um, to others when they are in crisis. That's beautiful. That's reason why I brought that up, because these are the simple little things that we all can do without mm-hmm. thinking if we look through the lens of love, that compassion just flows out. Right, right. That's and true. And I think it's also important for women, often they may not want to receive the food, but, you know, oh, no, no, I can do it. You know, their life is in crisis, but I I can Mm -hmm. get that, you know, that food on the table and I can appear that I have it all together. But allowing the gift uh, or allowing someone else to give you the gift of food is sometimes just important for your soul. You know, mm-hmm. that we don't have to have it all together, or, you know. A lot of people so have true. trouble asking for help, I think, when they're in these mm-hmm. kinds of situations. They want right. to think that they're in control and that they can handle everything, and they are maybe embarrassed or just feel that it's a sign of weakness to ask for help. So they don't ask for help, and and that's why I think it's important, as Karen said, to kind of look for those opportunities where people do need help and even though they're not saying they need help we know they need help and it's and mm-hmm. it's easy and simple to to do something like that for them to make a meal or maybe to watch their kids for a while or to do run an errand for them or to do Correct. something just an everyday thing right. that might be difficult for them because of what they're going through 
Right, right. So true. Well, Susan, you have a wonderful story in parenting. And I love this, the cross by the side of the road. Can you tell us about mm-hmm. that? Mm, yes. Um, this, is pro- this is a very um, heavy story, a, a very sad story that I went through. Um, but it's ultimately, it's really about worry and, and mm-hmm. the worry that mothers always feel for their children. Um, we were, I was driving my children to middle school every day. One of my sons was in middle school, and every day when I drove him to school, we would see this wooden cross that was planted at the side of the road. And somebody had tied a pair of athletic sneakers to the cross, and there was a, a bouquet of plastic flowers beneath. And we learned that um, it was the site of where a 14-year-old had been um, hit by a car while he was riding his bicycle, and he'd been killed. And, you know, as a mother, when you see that, here I am driving my son, who is, was basically the same age as that boy. Um, you know, you can't help but think your mind goes to all these dark places, and you think, oh, gosh, you know, if that could happen to that boy, you know, maybe that could mm-hmm. happen to me, too. You know, you start... Uh, you feel bad for that family, and you you put yourself in their place and think about what they're going through. And it's, you know, I think this is natural when these things happen. And as mothers, we tend to be warriors. You know, we're always, mm-hmm. we're always, even the older they get, I think I worry even more. I used to think that as they were younger, that I would worry about them more, you know, falling down or whatever. But I think the older my kids get, the more I think about their choices and and what they're what they're up to, and they can get into even bigger trouble than they could get into mm-hmm. as as young people. So this really was just an exercise in me talking to myself and saying, you know what, things are going to happen, but you can't live your life in fear. You know, you can't always be waiting for the next shoe to drop and be so obsessed with what could happen with your children that you miss out on the good things that are happening in your life and the joy that's around you. So it was an exercise in learning to trust God and let my worries go and just, you know, just not internalize it so much. Just think Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, the good things in our lives and that we just can't can't be uh, governed by our fears. So true. That's very, very true. I enjoyed that story. Like you say, it is a hard story to talk about. But what it does is that to me, when I see that, because whether you have kids or not, that's what you're going to encounter when you're on the road sometimes or wherever that may be, right? And But right. it's about mindfulness. It's when you look at that, it really brings home to to think. Just to mm-hmm. just be in the moment and start thinking and trying to look through the lens of love again among your loved ones and people that you know. Right, right. That's true. You have to think about what you pay attention to. You know, I, there was another mm-hmm. time I was driving down the road and I saw a little bunny hopping along the road. <laughs> and every few days I would go to work and I would catch this little bunny hopping by the side of the mm-hmm. road, you know, or I'd see a funny bird balanced on a wire or something. And it was, 
those are the things I want to focus on, the little moments of joy in my commute right. that, uh, right. you know, that really make me think about uh, the, the blessings that are out there. Right. And it's always amidst chaos that's calmness. And that's what's interesting mm-hmm. about it. And when you brought, I remember there was one day when I was walking around White Rock Lake here in uh, Dallas, uh, cars start stopping on the road, but apparently one mother duck got, kind of ran over and she was on the verge of dying and then but she has all the other ducklings okay Mm -hmm. so i end up carrying uh there was a lady that stopped the car everybody was stopping and i carried the mother duck and i knew she was pretty much a goner i guess but i put her on the side of the road and then the little ducks followed you know so that they'll get off the road So yeah. and, and, and so just little things, that, but those are the kind of mindfulness that I'm talking about where uh, simple things, if we read stories, but it, it needs to trigger something within us to, to mm-hmm. look at, you know, uh, the reality of life sometimes. Yeah, there's always a greater lesson in, in what's going mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. than just what's so going on, you know, <laughs> if you really think about it. So true. Karen, you had a wonderful story, and this is the perfect season. I know this is supposed to be year-round, but certainly this is the perfect season to talk about this is mending a friendship in the relationships chapter. So, Karen, can you tell us about that story? Yes. So sometimes you write about things you're not very proud of, and this was one of those stories um, that – um, it just hurt my heart, but that's the part of being open and honest. Uh, so this story um, developed when I um, was, you know, a young mother, and and I do think that there are times, and and I do know that, you know, especially at this time, that I I was self-centered. And I was focused on just my life of being a, a busy mom. I was also pregnant with a twin, so I was very um, uh, had a lot of nausea and morning sickness. But I wasn't being um, like you said, the authentic person. I wasn't um, being a very good um, neighbor and a friend. And so this story, like I said, it came about when a neighbor asked a favor of me, and I didn't react the way I should have. And I, looking back on it, again, I can definitely see my part. And we let a rift occur. And we stopped talking. And, um, you know, sometimes it's easier to stop talking than it is to uh, broach the subject. And so I don't like conflict. And so I, I more so ran from it rather than faced it. And then we um, moved, had the opportunity, we moved away. We needed a bigger house with the three kids. And so I didn't put closure on this friendship. And I didn't, um, I didn't apologize. And it, it just left this hole and this, this burning feeling in my heart. And I would go to church and I knew that I needed to find a way to, to, meet her again and I just and I would pray in in church you know you'd have those quiet times in prayer Mm -hmm. and um I you know it was it was like a scab that you would just kind of keep reopening and it would fester and I would think about it and I knew that I hadn't done the right thing and so at one point um 
and put the kids in the car. And if you, when you have three kids, um, sometimes you just have to change the scenery. <laughs> there was chaos at home, so we just went for a drive. And I, on that whim, decided to go back into the old neighborhood, and she was out front. And it really was one of those times where I knew that um, God had put her in my path, and he had said, here's your opportunity. And so I got mm-hmm. out of the car, and we hugged. And it just still makes me emotional today because it was like putting closure on something that I desperately needed and Mm -hmm. asking for forgiveness and then moving forward. And then she got to see the the children. Um, And it was, it was, it was one of those God incidences where he just, he, I just let him take control of the wheel and he, he answered Mm -hmm. my prayers. So that's where that story came out of. It's a beautiful story. I, I think that we all go through that process and having the fact that you took ownership, I guess that's the most important because we all go through this process of denial. It's never me. It's always the other person. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily uh, uh, wrong sometimes, but in the end, it's that's not what it's all about. It's about us taking ownership and uh, some people say we're a bigger man, bigger person, or what? That's got nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of like, are you looking through the lens of love in this case? You know, what are you right. doing to contribute to uh, to 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 make it right? And and that's why I love that story very very much. Thank you. That was a very very brave step she took. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would find that difficult too. I mean, I'm I'm I don't. Exactly like conflict either. So I think what Karen did was was very yeah. brave and and uh, obviously it was the right thing to do. It, it's wonderful. amazing. You have a wonderful story in chapter eleven to, I guess in a way close out the uh, the book. But it was very very interesting. Where and, and to me again, and this is interesting. It's got nothing to do with you know just being a woman or whatever, just a human being. Mm-hmm. And the title of the the, uh, the chapter is self-esteem and you mentioned that earlier and the mm-hmm. title of the story is my fading looks so tell us a little bit about that <laughs> okay well this story is all about how um is about aging basically you know the older you get the more you're, you look in the mirror and all you tend to see is more lines, you know, more sagging, more wrinkles, <laughs> more gray hairs, you know. It's, it, it's, you know, you see a photograph and you almost don't recognize yourself, you know, or you see yourself as a younger person and think, oh, gosh, why don't I look like that anymore, you know. So it's mm-hmm. definitely a blow to the self-esteem sometimes when, you know, as you're aging and you look in the mirror. And it was, you know, it was it's something that always bothered me. And then... I remember a story that my dad told me, and he said that he was coming out of um, his office. He was taking a lunch break, and this was in a downtown setting, and he was walking down the sidewalk, and he looked down the street, and he saw ahead of him this woman who was talking to somebody in the street, and she was very vivacious and lively and lovely and he just couldn't help, he couldn't take his eyes off of her. She was far enough away that he couldn't identify her, could see that she was, you know, he just thought to himself, what a beautiful woman, you know, she just seems mm-hmm. so lovely and lively. And as he got closer to her, he kept going and got closer to her. 
to his surprise, he discovered that the woman was actually my mother, his wife, (laughs) (laughs) that he had noticed. So it it was very surprising, you know, this was someone someone he had been at that point married to for over mm-hmm. 20 years and he oh. hadn't recognized her, but he recognized the beauty of what she was doing. And it wasn't about her looks. It wasn't that she was this gorgeous, you know, model type mm-hmm. woman, but it was, he saw something else in her. He saw her personality and her liveliness and her character and that was really what stood out to him, not so much what she was wearing or, you know, what she looked like, but <laughs> but just um, just her spirit. You know, he saw her spirit in that moment, and that was a good lesson to me to say, you know, maybe <laughs> my husband and the people around me don't see, you know, those lines right, and wrinkles right. and gray hairs. You know, they know me as a person and as, right. um, as my personality. So, right. you That's know, true. Very, very true. Well, what it is is that what I love about the story is that in the end, it's, it's, and, and I don't want to make it as simple, but it is. It's, it's just to the point where your dad married. In this case, uh, as your story mentioned, you know, like your dad married your mom's soul. That's what mm-hmm, happened, mm-hmm. and we marry, you know, the other person's soul, so to speak. That's where the term soulmates comes from, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Beautiful. Yeah, that's true. Ladies, what are the most rewarding aspects of the collaboration? And Susan, would you like to start first? Sure. Um, I think what was really rewarding to both Karen and I was that we really brought different strengths and talents to this project. You know, after hearing our backgrounds, um, you understand that we come from different areas and we have different strengths. And this was, um, you know, it really took both of our talents coming together to make things happen. I was able to, um, as an editor, I was able to the stories, you know, turn them into um, inspirational pieces, have them get to the point and be um, like a chicken soup story. Whereas Karen, is more um, more spiritual, I think, more um, in touch with that side of herself. And she really did a wonderful job of choosing the Bible verses that went with each story. She, you know, carefully made sure that we didn't repeat any verses. And surprisingly, it's amazing what you will find in the Bible on different topics, you know, that really relate to us today, even though this is an ancient, the Bible's an ancient book. And she also came up with the prayers that accompany each one. And they just, you know, were perfect for each story. So it was very rewarding that way because where I perhaps may have been weak in some areas, Karen was strong and vice versa, you know, and it really brought things together. And I think the other rewarding aspect of working on this book together was just not, it it wasn't, you you expected being published, you know, oh, our book's Mm -hmm. getting published, that that would be the most rewarding part of the journey. But we discovered that that really, that kind of took a back seat to um, after we started hearing from other women and how these these stories had affected them and um, how they helped them, how they loved reading other people's personal stories and their journeys. And that that really turned out to be the most rewarding part of this, that 
that we got to um, see how this book impacted people's lives and really made a difference um, to them, you know, from what we had done. So, mm-hmm. Wonderful. Very, very interesting. And Karen, your take? Well, you know, today was a perfect example and of that. I happened to be walking with um, my golden retriever this morning, and we came upon a – there's a small, like, canal, lake area, and a fish jumped, and it made those perfect ripples that mm-hmm. come about in water when it splashed. And I just sat there and I watched – those ripples, you know, they start close and then they just move out um, from the initial splash area. And that is so what this book has done and why it's so rewarding to to take this. And this is, you know, again, I you know definitely feel that God put his hand on this book and with its entire process. And then to see that it's been published in uh, internationally. Mm-hmm. And that there are those in the Philippines and in other countries around the world, there are women and men. Um, a wonderful story is uh, my sister teaches in a community college, and she teaches uh, English as a second language to mm-hmm. um, adults who are have come and are trying to, um, you know, learn the language of English. And mm-hmm. she brought in a number of these books. And these are the books she found out uh, she, you know, that the women were checking out because this book was approachable. The, the font was a little larger. The stories were shorter. It, mm-hmm. The stories resonated with them. And so I think that's just been so rewarding to see where this book has gone. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, we're so fortunate that Chicken Soup, um, the publishers, decided to reprint it. And, and, you know, I'm just excited to see where the, the next generation of women or um, even teenagers, my daughter loves to just pick it up. She, she mm-hmm. reads it all the time. Um, and so I think there's just a new, you know, group of women or people, you know, ready for this book. Fantastic. That's beautiful. What is next for you two ladies? Karen? Um, I... You know, my my heart right now is my kids are moving on, and I volunteer in a, a first and second grade classroom, and I help with literacy. Mm-hmm. So uh, these are readers that are struggling, and so I uh, go a couple days a week, and I'm you know helping with uh, reading. So that's that's where my journey is right now. Fantastic. And how about you, Susan? Well, we're hoping if this book does well, um, Chicken Soup would love to. Karen and I did three more uh, devotional stories, um, books Mm -hmm. for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Um, One is for mothers, uh, one is uh, for tough times, and one is for wives. And they're currently available as paperback editions. But Mm -hmm. um, if if this gift edition of devotional stories for women does well, then we will... um, Chicken Soup will most likely republish those as gift editions as well. So we're, we're hoping that will be in our future so that more people will discover those books as well. And as far as me personally, I think um, I'm hoping one day my journey, all of my books, I've done some parenting books, books on raising twins, um, and they've all been nonfiction books. And I love reading fiction, so um, my 
personal pie in the sky dream is to maybe someday write a fiction <laughs> book and and we'll see how that goes. My confidence isn't quite there yet, but uh but that's kind of what I'm hoping for, so we'll see. Well, wonderful. That's beautiful. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you ladies like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? And Susan, you can go ahead and get started if you like. Okay. Um, My recipe for living is basically that you're never too old to be learning and growing, whether you are 18 or whether you're 80, you know, you never stop growing and you never stop learning. Um, there's always opportunities to look for um, look for places where you can grow as a person. And I read a quote one time um, by A.W. Tozer, and he said that complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. And I really like that quote because um, it's, you know, it, complacency is really just doing nothing, you know, thinking that where you're at is where you're going to be. And the older you get, I think we tend to think it might be too late to pursue some of those dreams, like my dream of writing fiction, you know. Um, So I think it's just I'd like to encourage people to realize that, you know, you're never too old to learn something new. You're never too old to, um, to seek out new things and new experiences and just to keep growing and learning about yourself and and improving your relationships with other people and with God and um, just just keep going. That's it. Fantastic. That's beautiful. And how about you, Karen? My recipe to live life is I just find I have to be outside in and I and I just say this again in God's creation. I just love my morning walks and evening walks and the morning walks are you know I I walk my animals in the morning my dogs in the morning but I'm listening to the birds and I'm looking Mm -hmm. at the trees and the flowers and I'm just staying present and I'm staying in the beauty um, of the day and then at night I just I'm amazed by the stars and and recently it's been in South Florida we can you know our skies are clear still Mm -hmm. at night but we'll have it's Jupiter and Saturn and Venus have all been in a line and then Mm -hmm. the moon was there and it was just so uh, the the energy and and everything was just so beautiful that night and so I just find that I'm a better off a better person when I just have this time uh, walking and thinking things through and talking to God and I just you know chat with the neighbors it just fills my soul so I just definitely find that walking keeps me balanced uh, mentally physically and definitely emotionally beautiful that's wonderful well ladies Thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, December 7th at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest holiday release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Blessings of Christmas. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Susan, Karen, it has been a true pleasure, ladies, 
Thank you again, and have a very blessed day. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Bye-bye.